Welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about comic books and the characters within. I'm your co-host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michaela Jones. Greetings, huge nerd, I see you. Greetings, huge nerd, I see you. And we got another one of our Surprise Mechanics patented combo packs for you folks today. And this time, the accidental unifying thread is we're talking about nerd shit. That's right, superheroes. We're talking about capes, we're talking about tights. That's basically the two things. Well, we're also talking about um, kites and... That's right. Probably more tights, because I don't know what yes. else would run with kites. Love bites. That's true. Yeah, love bites. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about Marvel's Midnight Suns and the HBO series Harley Quinn. You are new to the Harley Quinn fandom. Yes. Yes, I am. I've watched Harley Quinn for a while. So I'm kind of thinking, why don't I talk about Midnight Suns first? Let me get my bullshit over with. And then we can both talk about Harley Quinn. Because I'm really curious. We haven't really talked about it since you've been watching it, but I can't wait to hear your thoughts because I've been trying to convert friends to watch Harley Quinn for a little bit now. And and I'm, I'm so happy to hear it's just stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Let, let, let's hear about Midnight Suns because I was even asking about that before we started. What the heck is? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. For anyone who is unfamiliar, it's uh, developed by Firaxis, which are the developers developers of the XCOM franchise, and so this game is equal parts Marvel XCOM and, like, a Western take on Persona. You play as the Hunter, which is an original character that is brought back to life to stop the end of the world or something. And this game, it takes place in, like, a magic corner of the Marvel Universe that I don't think is as well-known these days because, like, the MCU is kind of the thing most people associate with Marvel and uh, you know their MCU is more cosmic and, and sci-fi uh, than mystical uh, and the actual Midnight Suns like is a is a team in this game and they it consists of a little more esoteric characters like Nico Minaru magic that's magic the character not like magic the concept that is also something we'll be talking about uh, Blade and Ghost Rider and the Avengers are also in this and uh What's nice about the Avengers being in this is that it's like a somewhat satisfying to see them get rightfully critiqued in a way that the movies seem unable and uninterested in doing. Uh, namely, there's like a lot of the story centers on a rift that forms between the Avengers and the Midnight Suns because the Midnight Suns feel like the Avengers just show up at their house and steamroll all of their ideas while just constantly failing. Uh, and the... Midnight Suns are right to think that. <laughs> the game very much feels like it's like kind of on their side. The first negative I will mention about this game up front is the Avengers do bog this thing down. And I don't think it's just because I have Avengers fatigue. Uh, it feels like a lot of the story is like a backdoor Avengers game all of a sudden. And there's only four Midnight Suns that I mentioned. Plus there's two other magic users you unlock later. But both of them are Avengers. So for this game to be like called the Midnight Suns, it feels like it. There's just too much Avengers going on here. Um, some of the non-magic characters work in the story, like Wolverine, who you can basically put in any Marvel thing because he is a perpetual fish out of water. Uh, and Spider-Man because he's Spider-Man. Yeah, you have Spider-Man can be in anything, especially when Yuri Lorenthal voices him. Like, sure, fine, Spider-Man can hang. You gotta have Spider-Man. Exactly. Um. Now, the upside to this complaint is that every character is viable and fun to use. Even characters I found myself, or I, I didn't think I would like. Captain Marvel is the one big standout. I'm just not that interested in Captain Marvel. But she is so good, and she's awesome, and her kit rules. So that's sort of the trade-off, is even though I was a little annoyed that these characters were taking roster slots, there wasn't a single character I disliked in terms of gameplay. So what the heck is the gameplay, you're asking? Well, too bad. I beat you to it. 
basically this half of this game is combat, which you'd probably expect from like the people that make XCOM. And so it's turn-based battles that take place on an open arena, not like a grid or anything. Uh, and you have a finite number of free moves you can do. Your attacks are determined by a card deck each character has and are drawn at random at the start of every turn. And there are different energy meters that kind of determine if you can do certain attacks or use environmental obstacles. And characters obviously have symmetry with one another. Honestly, it rules. It's really, really fun. The combat is so good. I think a lot of people were turned off about the card system, but um, I got no issues with it. Uh, it. It's really, really good. The other side of this game is this life simulator thing where before and after battles, you hang out at the Abbey, which is like your magic spooky house that's removed from time and space. And you can explore the grounds to find resources, train with your characters, you know, improve their decks and hang out with your best pal, Blade the Vampire Hunter. And this stuff is at its best when it's really goofy. Uh, there's, like, different clubs that the characters form. Uh, my favorite was Book Club that Blade started, because Blade was trying to spit some game with Captain Marvel, and Captain America overheard and started third-wheeling. <laughs> so then Blade goes to you and is like, Hunter, you have to join the Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> There's like four chapters of book club and, and at certain story beats you can meet and go talk about books with these people. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff. You can go mushroom picking with Doctor Strange. You can play video games with Ghost Rider. Uh, and, and this stuff, it it's goofy, but it's really funny and it really grew on me. At the start of the game, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And then basically I got Blade's friendship leveled up all the way and I went, yeah, this is like the perfect video game, huh? Okay, Roman, I have to ask... Who did you romance? You beat me to it. There is no romance in this game. What? Oh, what the fuck? This, okay, who cares? <laughs> who would you romance? Well, what's funny is the developers very much... I read somewhere that they were like basically encouraging people to have their own headcanon because I got the sense that Firaxis wanted to do that and Marvel was like, that's where we draw the line. Because you um, can buy like swimsuits for everybody. Like Everyone has multiple swimwear. Uh, you can take people on what are basically dates there is just no romance yeah that sounds like a thing that came down from marvel then because honestly people would flock to the game just for that option yes so yes, I, I i do have to know though what is the romance you would have done had it been an option probably magic all right her, her which i know is like a character i'm assuming you don't know much about and, and she's not like it's a nothing. super well-known character but uh, probably magic or blade, blade the vampire. Hunter. <laughs> there, there, you, there you go. <laughs> blade rules. Excellent. Blade is so cool. Uh, the hunter character really grew on me. You can only take three characters into each battle, and every story level requires you take the hunter. Uh, so I knew that going in, and so basically that uh, the way I approached this at the beginning was I was a little bummed out because that basically meant every story level I could only take two characters I actually wanted to take as like a fan of Marvel Comics <laughs> and then this like self-insert bullshit <laughs> uh, but the Hunter's Kid it was Daredevil Daredevil and Daredevil right it would have been Daredevil Electra and then uh, you know whoever else but Daredevil's not in the game sadly that is a point against it he's referenced of course but uh, not in the game uh, but the Hunter's Kit is really good so I grew to like the Hunter quite a bit and I did not mind hanging out with Hunter uh, and there's also this like light dark mechanic that the game does that I think actually worked well because it was not good and evil. It was just character choices that align more with the other heroes. So like Iron Man doesn't like it when you say dark choices, but the goth kids do. And that's a real club name, the goth kids. So like, you know, if you wanted to be friends with the goth kids, just say the dark things. Cool. Found my home. Right. And it reached a point where like, it actually didn't matter. Cause like my build was light because at the beginning of the game, it felt like there were no good support characters, so like I needed to be a support character. But I had built up so many light points that I could then be a secret goth and max out everyone's friendship. And I'm playing both sides, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I come out on top. And there's a lot of cool unlockable cosmetics, but some of the best hero suits that comic fans are going to want are hidden behind a paywall, which obviously sucks. It's just like, what are we doing here? What is this mobile game bullshit? Uh, I liked the voice cast and characterization, which is something I saw people did not like, and that surprised me, because I thought some of the characterization actually did a really good job of 
being different than their MCU counterparts. A special shout out goes to Doctor Strange, who is like kind of annoying in this game. And I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. Like I, Doctor Strange should be kind of annoying. And like the Avengers should constantly be like, what is this guy talking about? Because <laughs> he's just rhyming over there to himself. Uh, the exception is Tony Stark. I don't fault the voice actor, but I don't understand why some companies, when they make a, a Marvel property, they want their Tony to do a bad Robert Downey Jr. impression. Because it never works. And, like, no one else is doing it. Doctor Strange isn't sounding like Benedict Cumberbatch. The Hulk isn't trying to sound like Mark Ruffalo. It's just Iron Man. And, like, you know, say what you will about Square Enix's Avengers, but at least Nolan North was doing his own thing. <laughs> he wasn't trying to be like, oh, hey there, kid, how's it going? Yeah, everybody knows that Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, and Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. As much as Elon Musk wishes that he was Tony Stark, it was always Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I, too, wish Elon Musk would get taken by some uh, extremists and put into a cave somewhere. Uh, the story <laughs> is fine, but the way you interact with it is like very classic JRPG. You run around, you press a button, and you listen to people talk. And I have a hard time with JRPGs. Um, if I can, I don't want to make this weird, but it's like a condition I've been working on. And this game reminded me that my recovery journey still has a ways to go. Also, the DLC is overpriced. And uh, again, most of the characters aren't magic, so I'm just not interested. The four main DLC characters are Deadpool, Venom, Morbius, and Storm. Ve uh, Venom and Storm could be cool. Uh, mostly Venom because of, like, Venom is the only one of those four that actually has a presence in the story. So, like, seeing... Yeah, because the, the DLC comes with story content as well. But uh, it's like $15 for each or $50 for all four, which is a second video game. So I'll get that on sale. Sorry, I just looked up a picture of magic from Midnight Suns. Okay, so my final verdict on this game, because I can see the I can see the gloss coming over your eyes. This Sorry, game I was is... just looking at magic. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, she's great. Um, also, she's voiced by... Oh, I'm totally blanking on her name. Lauren Bailey, who is great. And the, the main, if you choose the male uh, hunter, male presenting hunter, it's Matt Mercer. But what's very funny is the character anim animations seem to be the same. So male hunter is like swinging them hips. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, right on, brother. Uh, <laughs> so the final verdict of this game, it's kind of niche in a way that I like to see. I, I think it's okay for things to take place in the genre space. To compare it again to the MCU, you know, not everything needs to be an action comedy, right? Uh, so, that being said, while it might appear niche, I think this game actually casts a wider net than it seems. Because, uh, like, if you like Marvel, you should play it. If you like strategy games, you should play it. If you like simulator games, you should play it. I think everyone should play it. It's actually very fun. I recommend this game. I was a little bummed to hear it didn't sell that well, because I do feel like... Now, obviously, numbers with video games are weird because, like, not selling that well might mean, well, it didn't make 2K a billion dollars, <laughs> you know, so they're mad about it. Or it could mean it actually flopped, but it's just so interesting because I feel like that only, I don't want to say that only happens with video games, but, like, you know, if this was an event comic, it would do well enough for Marvel publishing, right? If this was an, a Marvel movie or show, it would do well. But it's so interesting that video games are... Again, if we're taking them at their word, which I think is a really big caveat, a Marvel video game can flop. Which I guess we did just see with Square Enix's The Avengers, you know, just less than a year ago. Yeah, they stopped supporting it entirely recently. Yeah. And then I, I feel like it, it, maybe maybe in those other spaces, they're genuinely trying. And over here at video games, they're not. But Again, I, I don't really think that's necessarily the case because it's not like the people who worked on this game weren't trying. Um, right. I feel like maybe maybe like the people up at Marvel just don't have any skin in the game or enough skin in the game to really consider what would make a great Marvel game and then have those people working with all the game devs, you know? Like, like going back to the right. whole, like, there's no way to romance a character in a game that's essentially, like, built that. Like, it, it has that and it, you kind of feel like it should have it like that system in it, but it doesn't because someone was like, eh, I don't know if we could do that with our characters because of whatever reason. Um, yeah. I I do think 
I think this game's going to have a decently long tail. I think word of mouth is being very kind to this game because it, it's good. It's fun. I do think people were a little put off by the card system. And I also think people were a little... I, I think turn-based games are going to naturally maybe make some people turn away, you know? For sure. Um, and, and, and again, I think... I think if you like strategy games, this game's absolutely worth playing. But that's another thing where it's like if you're really serious about strategy games, you might think like, I'm not going to get the Marvel one. You know, I'm going to get something else. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, it would kind of be a niche within a niche. You have right. the whole like strategy game audience. I don't think strategy games are that big um, mm-hmm. in, in the gaming space, you know, because... A lot of the games I've ever heard of are like sports games, FPS, whatever. Uh, occasionally, RPGs are pretty big too. But um, turn-based strategy games feels less likely. And then also you have Marvel. And you're probably right. Everybody's going to go over to um, something else that's very well known, like XCOM, actual XCOM. Or right. like... Uh, um, Fire Emblem, y- even? Fire Emblem, Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of options there that are like pretty well grounded, like series with like deep roots and in uh-huh. that niche. So, um, is the Marvel one gonna like live up to be as good as one of the ones that have been there for like twenty plus years? Who knows? It might just be a fun game with some of your favorite characters, but you won't get everything out of it that you want because that's what Marvel's done so far. So right. They have to push harder because the envelope's a little bit, or the, the, the expectations are a little higher. Yeah, I know they recently did like a free weekend on Steam. Like they let everyone, it was like you basically owned the game for 48 hours. I, I hope more people play it, I really do, because uh, I would play a sequel, especially because there's a, if I can spoil something real quick, there's a classic post credit scene, uh, and it teases the sequel, the implications of the tease would be the sequel might be a little bit less Avengers heavy and more reliant on the Fantastic Four. And I'm like, yes, please. Like, that's a team up I can get behind. The Midnight Suns going with, like, uh, uh, such a, a classic pop science team like that, like Reed Richards in the fray. I'm kind of like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, I'm not nearly as sick of the Fantastic Four as I am the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers definitely feel like a shoe-in. Like, if it's a Marvel thing, yeah, they're on the big screen, they're right. in the comics. we got to have them in everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And that is like, kind of ignoring the like the, the wide variety of characters that Marvel has. Right, and I'm not even like, like, I'm not a true hater. Like, I like Captain America. I liked him in this game. I thought he fit in the story well enough because I think his characterization is good. But I am just like, but that's like a roster slot that sure. could have been... I mean, even someone like Iron Fist, like still pretty well known, Shang Chi, like these. It could have been. It could have been Daredevil. Could have been, been Daredevil. <laughs> That's what I'm always saying, though. That could have been know, Daredevil. I was thinking back to my joke earlier about you know you take your team in for a story mission and it's Daredevil, Daredevil, and Daredevil, and I thought that sounds an awful lot like a law firm, doesn't it? And then yeah. I realized <laughs> there's a Nelson and Murdoch billboard. There's a Murdoch, Murdoch, and Murdoch. Yeah. Well, actually, it could work because currently in. How much time you got? Currently in the Chip Zdarsky run, Elektra is also playing a role as a daredevil of sorts. So I'm just saying, you got your two daredevils right there. Yeah, you just need a third one. And then and then you can complete that my could be, bit. I think the hunter hunter could be daredevil. I could do the build, you know. Yeah, and then, and then daredevil now we, we, have it. we have our daredevil law firm. And then I realized yeah. after the joke landed in my head that he was already a lawyer. It, it landed, huh? You'd say that landed? That killed for you? Oh yeah, it landed like this, like a, like a seven thirty seven after a smooth flight. Look, all I'm saying is Thanos never went to Hell's Kitchen for a reason. That's true. He was terrified. Never had to deal with Matthew Murdoch. He simply would have. Oh, listen, the way I see it, there's a three pronged approach. The first is he would have tried to, you know, facts, logic, talk him out of it, convey to his sense of humanity a little bit, you know, sprinkle some Catholicism in there. Well, Thanos isn't human. Right. Well, so that that won't work. I'm un, I'm accepting that won't work. So the second prong of my three prong attack is boom. You serve him with some papers. You take his ass to court. You take his big purple butt to court. <laughs> guess what? Guess who's on the defense? Or uh uh uh. Guess who's the prosecutor? Well, shit. That's <laughs> not really the, a prosecutor. This one landed take, too. 
<laughs> he'd take it pro bono. <laughs> that doesn't work. Well, then through uh, phase three, it's karate o'clock. Let's see how Thanos does up against a boxer <laughs> with a black belt. I want to see where karate o'clock lands on a clock. Half past. Get the fuck off Earth, Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Murdoch is definitely going to win that case. And by win that mm-hmm. case, I mean Daredevil's definitely going to kick him in the face. Yep, that's right. Thanos' biggest weakness Catholic guilt. <laughs> So that's Midnight Suns and also Daredevil. Shouts out to Daredevil, friend of the show. I think you don't give a shit about this. I think the new Daredevil show started shooting today. So oh, that's cool. Kind of fun. That's, yeah. that's really exciting cool? for you. Is it cool? It's very exciting for you, You're shining Roman. a laser pointer on the floor for me to follow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a laser pointer, but instead of a, a single it's a point, DD. it's a little Daredevil. <laughs> Just a oh, little bottle. Daredevil jumping around. You're like... All right, well, why don't you talk about your uh, your show, your Harley What the heck is Harley Quinn? Oh, my my dumb show. Um, I was going to say your gay I was going to say your gay show, but I didn't know if that would land if anyone who hasn't seen it. It is Oh, yeah, it is very gay. I was actually going to do super... a bit later. I was going to do a bit later. It's a very well, stupid show. We can cut this out. I don't want to interrupt your bit. Okay. Well, the bit was just going to be I'm like I'm going to like like be like, "Oh, I, f- I felt like I had to ask permission to talk about more gay shit on the show, but I'm just going to do it anyway." <laughs> Because I'm uh, so hateful. Yes. That's such a hateful bigot. <laughs> Harley Quinn is an animated series on HBO. It's based off of everybody's favorite uh, Batman. You know, you know Batman. The man uh, bat. Rich rich guy in suit fight crime. That guy. That's right. Um, but ex- instead of following the Batman, we're following a different character. Um, we're following Harley Quinn herself, the, uh, the, the little jester that follows the Joker around. And um, seems to have like a really toxic relationship with them, if we're quite honest. And you know what? This show explores that. We, we like we do have a toxic relationship with the Joker, and uh, it's time to break that off and 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 like figure out who we are and like what we want out of life and what we want to do. And that's what Harley Quinn is really all about. At the end of the day, <laughs> it, it, it really it really is just Harley Quinn kind of finding herself and then. In that process, like wanting to um, like do the things that you think a villain would want to do, um, you have a lot of favorites here. Like, of course, there's Joker, uh, there's Batman. We have Commissioner Gordon, who reminds me awful lot of Harry Dubois from Disco Elysium, and um, we have Clayface. We have King Shark. Uh, there's a there's a Lego like, a, a very Kite fun Man. cast of characters. Kite Man, hell yeah, hell yeah. And uh, we also have uh, Poison Ivy, which uh, 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 who who is amazing? Uh, Poison Ivy is amazing. Just, I don't, I'm just gonna say it one more time. Poison Ivy is amazing. Did you watch the Valentine's Day special? I did watch the Valentine's it's Day so special. Good. It's it's, <laughs> it's it was very good. It was is stupid, but it was so funny. When the show first started, because there's a lot of the characters, you know, show up from the very beginning. Uh, I I forget James Adamain. I think is the guy's name. He's a comedian and he's doing Bane. Yeah. And he he does a really good Bernie Sanders voice too, by the way. Like he's just good at impressions. But him doing the Dark Knight Rises Bane, I thought would get old. Like back in season one, I was like, we'll see how long this lasts. It's it's so funny. It's It's so good. The whole time. (laughs) Him being enlarged and horny and talking (laughs) like this. (laughs) It's it's so funny. I also love there's a bit where like (laughs) the Joker pays this fucking uh like restaurant uh clerk to call him bang and (laughs) he has a vendetta against the teenager working at the fucking restaurant because he's always calling him bang instead of bane uh yeah oh it's so good it's such a great show and something that uh I i was thinking about this when we talked about velma on our last episode i think part of what makes harley quinn so great is it feels like it's it's obviously harpooning a lot of the like superhero things, but especially Batman in general. It's making fun of a lot of these do characters. You mean, do, do you mean lampooning? Did I say hampooning? You said harpooning. Oh, I wish I <laughs> like, said hampooning. Like we're going out, we're we're going out to fight some fucking sharks. Sorry, King don't, Shark. Don't fucking correct me. Okay, first <laughs> off. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's really silly, and I think I, 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 I think I'm interrupting your point, but I'm already in it, so I'm just going to commit to it. Uh, 
it, 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 it like it, it I don't want to harpoon you. <laughs> it treats the source material so well, like it, it feels like it's very faithful to that, but at the same time, it just wants to be very silly. Yeah, yes, and it feels like it's coming from a place of love. Like it, the creators of this show love Batman; they love the source material, but that's why they're able to make fun of it so well, and it's hilarious. And that's something Velma did not have. Velma right. seemed to be embarrassed to be associated with the Scooby gang, or at least indifferent, maybe not embarrassed. And to some degree, as if anybody working on that show has never seen Scooby-Doo. Right. Whereas, like, there's an, there's at least one entire episode I can think of of this show that has no Harley Quinn in it, and it's just a straight Batman episode. And it opens with two nerds, one of which wearing a release the Snyder Cut shirt, arguing about the show on HBO Max, and the other convincing his friend to watch it because there's no Harley Quinn in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the episode where, because uh, one of the uh, uh, plot turns in this show kind of later on is that Harley Quinn learns that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but she learns because she goes into his mind and has to do therapy. So it's protected by doctor-patient confidentiality because that's a thing. In this show, Harley has a hard goal. Like, she really does mean well. And it's, sort of about her breaking away from her toxic relationship with the Joker and deciding who she wants to be. And who she wants to be is, like, not a piece of shit, basically. And, uh... That episode featured assets from the animated series. Oh, cool. Like, the backgrounds, like, that art deco, like, all the buildings and stuff, those are straight, like, uh, paintings from the animated series that they had in the vault. Yeah, that's... that's I didn't know that. That is very cool. Um... I do like Harley's progression a lot as a character because you do get that feel that like, we, you know, she she breaks away from the Joker and then she starts doing all of these very stereotypical villain things, creates her own little squad, and um, it's just kind of chaotic. But then I, I don't I don't think it's her mellowing out later on in the show, but I think it's just her realizing that she doesn't want to um, cause harm as much as she actually does want to help people. Yeah. Um, and that is just like kind of a neat thing to see a character who would be a villain or a villain's sidekick uh, kind of like go through this whole self-discovery and um, building wonderful relationships with other people. And I think that's one of the things I love the most about the show is how wholesome it feels sometimes, even while blood is just like <laughs> splurting out from whatever direction, because no matter what's going on on screen, it feels like our main cast of characters is like a silly little family that all love each other very much. Yes. And all these characters love each other very much. Um, so while the world of the show is silly with love to the source material, uh, the characters within also feel very alive and their, their connections to each other feels very organic. Yeah. When I think about toxic fandoms, including like those same guys that the show was making fun of in that episode that had no Harley Quinn, I think about this show a lot as an example of uh, like like I'm I'm choosing to see the better side of people, and when um like for example if if people complain about a, a Disney Plus show like She Hulk or something and and uh, people I think sometimes in not the best faith try to you know say well you people are just critiquing this show because it features like a, a woman as the lead or maybe a person of color as a lead. And I certainly think, I don't think I'm you know going to blow anyone's mind here when I say there are obviously toxic fans out there and there are people that are going to like look at something and, and go like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a racist piece of shit <laughs> or I hate women. So like, I'm not going to like this. But I think Harley Quinn is like a great example of a show that like it does everything so right that I feel like if if there's a fan of the source material that doesn't like this show, it's because they're actively making a choice to not like this show. You know what I mean? Everything is about it is so good, and it feels like the writers and the creators know exactly what they're doing, and it comes from like a deep knowledge of the DC universe, that I can't imagine someone watching this show as a fan of the comics or what have you not enjoying it. That and it... Uh... Uh, am I, am I, would I be allowed to talk about this on the show? Talk about what? It's just very gay, too. <laughs> we'll hide it behind the paywall. <laughs> but, but for real, though, it, it is, it is incredible. Um, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very 
excellent show. And I've mentioned how all of these characters have connections, relationships that are that are really they feel meaningful. Like you have friends that feel like really good friends. You have um, these rivalries that feel like they might be silly, but you could be like, yeah, that makes total sense. And then all the while you have uh, romances developing long term where um, the little like breadcrumbs and things that you, you do get every episode just keep adding up and making it more fun to watch unfold until finally uh, our, 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 our two characters fucking kiss. Um, God, I, I like legit like screamed when Ivy and Harley kissed, not going to lie. That was a wonderful fucking moment. Um, it was incredible. Um, and then from there, it's just it's 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 just a nice like it feels like a wholesome show, and it's all these like villains and and superheroes in this like silly wacky world, right? Swearing like sailors, do still doing murder, like, still, like Harley yeah, Quinn. yeah. We have we have like Harley Quinn and Ivy figuring out their relationship problems. Like, I mean, season one is Harley and Ivy like figuring out Harley's personal problems while like people are beheaded in the background and blood is flying everywhere, and then like they're each everybody has like something going on that they have to work through that they have to figure out i mean clayface wants to be an actor he's got to learn how to be a good actor Such he is a good so actor, fucking funny clayface Al- is alan wonderful. tudyk is so good at what he does yeah he's <laughs> so funny clayface him, him being billy bob thornton <laughs> such a good bit and they like commit to it for like half a season <laughs> it's it, it, and it's Clayface like asking young Bruce Wayne in his mind about <laughs> acting tips for Thomas Wayne in his last moments <laughs> which is icing on the cake but then yeah you get the season three and it's it's Harley and Ivy like figuring out the relationship issues and like communicating with each other while also still doing things villains do um, so it, it, it's just like, okay, yeah, they're, they're in love. You have other characters in love too. Like the whole Valentine's day special was just kind of wonderful. Like mm-hmm. everybody seemed to be paired up with somebody and except for Bane and, uh, then Clayface is paired <laughs> up with his own ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good bits in this show too. Like I was just thinking, as I mentioned the Valentine's day episode, Joker like becomes unjokered briefly. <laughs> and then he like has an entire like life for a while, and then he gets jokered again. But he goes back to this woman that he was dating, who also has two kids, and he's their stepdad now. Yes. This is Joker as a dad, and he really loves his kids. And he runs for mayor as an openly socialist and wins. <laughs> <laughs> and they do like the parody of like they try to smear him, uh, uh, because it's. It's Commissioner Gordon's running against him, right? And his uh, campaign manager is Harvey Dent. <laughs> I think, if I'm remembering this right. And they try to smear him as like, like a reporter goes, you mean like a, like socialism? And Joker goes, not like socialism, exactly socialism. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and, and like I said before, uh, Commissioner Gordon is uh, Harry Dubois from Disco Elysium, which for those who <laughs> aren't familiar, he's just a, he's just a, a crazy drunk like he 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 is pining for batman's yep. love just trying to do his best and he's just trying to be the best damn cop in gotham uh while also drinking i don't know how many ounces of whiskey a day yeah um but yeah everything falls out of the show um so right they they know batman back and forth these people love batman and as a result they have created a piece of media that lampoons it and very fun and smart ways. I don't think you're using that word right. <laughs> and then also, um, it, it on its own, it's it's incredibly fun. I would say that the Harley Quinn series is just my favorite version of Batman and Gotham and everything. Like, um, there's some fun to be had with some movies, some some games, some comics. Um, and I think that there's a lot of really great characters. This is my favorite interpretation of all of that. Hey, do you think what I said about toxic fandoms is good or should I just cut that out? I think it's good because toxic okay. fandoms are a thing. And honestly, like, I think it's worth calling toxicity out in fandom. 
because it's nice for people to just be able to enjoy things. Like if you have, I, I think it comes down to a lot of shows, games, whatever media where characters just aren't what those toxic fans want it to be. Right. They just act like, you know, it, it should be that way. They should get what they want. And, and then the reality is no, like you're lucky to get what you get. And you just have to enjoy things that you do enjoy and move past the things that you don't. And like not even everything within a fandom is necessarily for you. And I think it's worth knowing that. So how do we get rid of toxic fandoms? Like how do we how do we improve that mess? How do we fix that? I don't know. Right. And I'm just thinking too, like I've talked to people I know in, in my real life who are like not as online as I am, like not as in like tuned in to like some of these discussions as we both are, who love this show. And it's just a matter of like, well, the show's good. And so it's just like, you know, that's why I say I think if people are like, you know, supposedly lifelong Batman fans and don't like this, that's a choice at this point. It's a, uh, it's like, I feel the same way, not to get ahead of ourselves because we're talking about this in our next episode, but like people who are still complaining about Bella Ramsey's casting as Ellie. You're just choosing now to to like be weird, a weird little worm about this. Yeah, yeah. I I think that um, when 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 we're making things, you know, it's a collaborative act between a lot of people, and there's no like one person that it really falls on usually for like a why a thing is bad, and it's definitely never to do with just like a thing about them, a fact about them, their identity, whatever. Um, right. that's always like the, like the worst possible reason to dislike something. And, uh, I, I agree with the idea that this feels so Batman, incredibly Batman. Yes. That I, I, I have no clue how anybody who enjoys Batman genuinely loves everything from that franchise would look at this and be like, mm, no, that's not, that's not accurate. Uh, we're broken records here. The show's great. <laughs> it's so, yeah. so good. Uh, and I hope it never gets canceled. I was legitimately so nervous during this, like, shakeup with, like, the DC universe and, and uh, you know, James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over. But it seems like this show is safe for the foreseeable future. I hope they make it as long as the creators want to make it for it. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see more of Harley Quinn. Um, I especially would love to see more of all of the cast, all of the characters in this series because like as much as I do love the Harl Ivy romance, uh we we have Bane. We have yeah. Clayface. We have so many like it, it, there's so much in this show to love. And it is also character driven. And to the to the point where like James Gunn is in this. Yep. And there's like a there's a whole part there's a whole bit with Clayface trying to be James Gunn. It's wonderful. <laughs> And we would be remiss if we did not say that Kaylee Cuoco is amazing as Harley. She I can't absolutely believe we haven't is. said that yet. Also, Sam Richardson as Swamp Thing is... Uh, I oh, didn't realize how much I wanted that. <laughs> God, that, that episode too is very funny. Swamp Thing with a man bun. <laughs> just, li just living <laughs> in nature. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, so, uh, Michaela, do you recommend Harley Quinn? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely recommend Harley Quinn. I don't care who you are, watch it. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's really, really delightful. Well, should we end this episode like we always do with a heated gaming moment? Yes. I gotta tell you, my heated gaming moment was almost Vanderpump Rules again. Because... <laughs> almost. There, there has been some real-world drama that has taken place. It literally made, like, the real news. Uh, but I'm saving it for when the season's over. So uh, instead, my heated gaming moment is more of a concept than a specific thing. And that is, uh, uh, speaking of Harley Quinn, like sex and romance in TV shows. Um, <clears throat> specifically, what got me thinking about this is I'm going to read. There was this tweet that was, it was the discourse for like a week in February. In an internet time, that's forever ago. You know, this has come and gone. Um, and I'm not trying to put this person specifically on blast because she is just like a 20-something who has like a personal Twitter account. And this this tweet just kind of got big organically. Um, but it, they were talking about that show You on Netflix. 
and uh, it stars a guy named, I think his name is Penn Badgley. I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, but here's the tweet. Penn Badgley requesting to have zero intimacy scenes moving forward with any of his projects because he respects his marriage too much and feels it's unnecessary to both his public image and acting is the only thing that brings me hope for men today. And there's a lot to get into there, but I'm not trying to put this specific person on blast or this specific threat on blast because she kind of doubles down on it in a weird way that doesn't make sense when people, in my opinion, rightfully pointed out that that is like kind of crazy for a lot of reasons. And I don't even want to go in on Penn Badgley. I just want to go in on this concept of I've seen it happen a lot with like younger people, people younger than us even, that who are seemingly pretty progressive. Uh, like this person, for example, if you look at her Twitter page, it's like pr- pretty progressive politics, but have like really puritanical views about sex in like fiction. And and I've seen this before and I've even had people in real life tell me that they just think like those scenes are like quote unquote unnecessary or I once had someone tell me it doesn't add anything to a story. And I just do not get that because then my question is, well, what is a necessary scene, right? We know John Wick is good at fighting. Why why even have any of those fighting scenes? We know Captain America is really strong. Why have him fight with a helicopter or whatever? Why have characters talk at all? Why have them convey any emotion if we know they're friends or if we know they're enemies? Why? I, I just don't, I don't know. I guess my thing is I'm I'm uncomfortable with the idea of like saying X scene is unnecessary. You can obviously say certain scenes are tasteless or not well done, but that comes down to like the direction, right? And the, the craftsmanship of the scene. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird phenomenon I've noticed where young people, and it's not just young people, obviously. There's like, I mean, people can be prudish about of all, all age, all shapes and sizes. Uh, but have you noticed this? Or am I am I going crazy? I I might have zoned out for a moment because I was getting a phone call, and I was also trying to look up what my heating screen moment would be. Amazing. Okay, well, so I'm just gonna say that you aren't crazy because, in in my experience, you haven't been crazy. And I'm not even talking like nudity or anything like that. Like anything you want to like the nitty gritty details. I'm just saying the concept of a love scene. People get really skittish about. You know, I think so, maybe. Like, honestly, I haven't thought very much about this, and I don't know of many people who have thought about it enough that they want to talk about it at length that I felt like this is weird. Um, I'm so not saying totally I'm sure, a freak. No, no, not at, <laughs> not, not at all. Because, like, I, I think it's a fine thing to have in a film. Like, it, it is... It is pretty normal because it's like a part of what it is to be human right um and i i suppose i could see that there might be younger people out there who think that maybe it's just a little too much um maybe it's a little awkward to like sit down and watch a movie and suddenly oh there's there's a sex scene right in front of my salad and uh you know it, it kind of maybe maybe it makes things a little awkward uh you know when you're around people watching a movie together I feel like it's the most American problem in the world, though, because we're like so okay with violence. It really is because you're right when you said that. You're absolutely right because violence is like nothing. Yeah. But like, you, you you get a little nudity, you get a little like like romance, some intimacy, then people are like, oh, oh, gross. And I think it is, it it is a uniquely American issue because it is such taboo in this country to be even remotely sexual regardless of if you're like heterosexual cishet whatever it is just like the the basic rules of the united states are don't talk about sex right don't be don't be doing it either unless you're making babies those babies better grow up and become workers (laughs) i they don't even need to grow up to become workers really yeah oh yeah in some states they're trying to (laughs) yeah they're trying to make it that way for sure but it is it is a weird American thing because um, sometimes I am reminded by like how much more open uh, and openly sexual people in Europe are. Um, like they, they, there's just less of a, a fuck given about fucks given. Like yeah, it's just recognized that people 
are sexual in the ways in which that they are. So they just kind of seem to live and let live a little bit more. I feel like if you had a choice between like the most common form of like storytelling or whatever, uh, filmmaking, whatever, would you prefer it to be intimacy or violence? I probably guess like intimacy. Again, that's not like necessarily saying it's got to be porn, but uh, saying that like people like connecting feels better than people killing each other. Right. And like, I love action movies. You know what I mean? Like John Wick 4 comes out in a couple weeks and my ass is going to be there. I'm going to sit my ass down and listen when John Wick speaks, you know? But I'm like, I, I don't know. It just, I'm just, again, I'm uncomfortable with saying any scene is is unnecessary as a concept. Uh, yeah. Things can be tasteless or bad. You know, obviously everyone knows a bad scene when they see it. Everyone knows a bad movie when they see it. Everybody knows Tommy Wiseau's ass when they see it. At least a third of the room. Mm-hmm. The room is actually uh, the movie I thought of when I was kind of thinking about this in my head of how like sure you could argue that using having two sex scenes in the first thirty minutes of the room is excessive and one of those is probably unnecessary, but I I would go to bat to say the room needed one of those scenes. We needed to know that Johnny and Lisa are a couple and they're an intimate couple. Sure. What's your heated gaming moment? I started watching this show called Kunk on Earth. That is spelled C-U-N-K. Kunk on Earth? What is this about me? Hey, oh. And no respect. And 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 Kunk itself is a character, a person, a human being named Philomena Kunk. And she is a woman who goes across the world uh looking for answers um to a lot of questions about our existence, who we are, how we got here today, um, human history, science, all of those fun things. It's essentially a documentary series um, where this British woman goes around asking a lot of fun questions and saying strange things. I, I, Roman, I really want you to guess what this one is about. This is a quote from Philomena Kunk. Okay. There's this amazing stuff on his head. It's not hair. It's like a furry gas. It's as if he was born with a squirrel's tail and he's brushed it over his head to pass among humans. So it's about a man. Yes. It's about a specific man as well. I'm going to have no idea. Is it an artist? Can I like, can we do this 20 question style? It is not an artist unless, well, no, like not like, not like a, a, a person who creates art. But an artist, potentially. Uh, is it a musician? No. What's what's what is an artist that does not create, but instead takes away? Well, in order not to make it drag out forever, a con artist. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have no idea then. I don't know much about con artists. Really, a man with a squirrel on his head is a con artist. There's a fluffy gas for hair. I don't know. It's Donald Trump. Oh, nice. Okay. Anyway, there's another one here. I wouldn't say his hair is fluffy. <laughs> Did it? A, f- uh, uh, a furry gas. Okay, close yeah. close enough. That's fluffy. Yeah, I, when I hear furry, I think of more volume than what he's working with. So here is Philomena Kunk on U.S. civil rights. They don't, okay. they don't have racism in America anymore. When they voted for Obama, they sorted all of that out. (laughs) These days, America has changed and black people can be whatever they want to be, as long as it's either president or shot. (laughs) Oh, man. That's so good. There's almost nothing a person can do that a computer can't, except ride a horse. So lots of jobs have been replaced by computers. Perhaps one day we'll have a computer queen with the real queen just used for the bits that are on a horse. Kunk on Earth is like a mockumentary series. This character says a lot of really strange, funny, and outrageous things, but I think the icing on top of the cake for this show, what makes it really work well, is it has that uh, factor like Eric Andre show when they bring on experts in their fields. So you have this person who is very much putting on a character, like 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 it like it is Tim and Eric, or it is um, 
the Eric Andre show and they're asking questions about like Descartes, the philosopher, and they pronounce it as Descartes. <laughs> uh, the show is wonderful and I recommend it. I think people should watch it. It's funny. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's also like kind of a, a backwards way of learning some things because they do present some factual information even though it's riddled with jokes and, and crazy, crazy humor. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to stall and look it up real quick, but I'm also pretty sure. What's this on? Uh, this is on Netflix. Um, it could be watched on Netflix. There's only like one season, maybe five or six episodes. It's not very long. And it was, um, it was produced by Charlie Brooker. So if, uh, that's the guy who made Black Mirror. So hey. if you liked Black Mirror and thought that like any humorous parts of Black Mirror were worth an extra deep dive, then Kunk on Earth is probably the place that you would end up and would, would want to be. Um, that is an interesting portfolio because I would not, you know, I, I think most people would agree Black Mirror is not a comedy. It is not. I, I feel like there's probably some moments throughout that show that can might that might be humorous. But oh, busting a gut while the dude fucks a pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> specifically a politician, um, a very, very high ranking yeah. politician. Um, but um, yeah, it is it is a very interesting shift. Um, Kunk on Earth, I believe, came out in the pandemic era. So it was um, post Black Mirror. Um, so it is kind of a big, it, 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 honestly, if it, it Kunk on Earth coming out after Black Mirror feels like Charlie Brooker kind of gave up on Black Mirror and realized, yeah, this is just making things worse. I'm just going to look at <laughs> I'm just going to point at everything in human history, everything on Earth, everything mankind, and just laugh my ass off. That's good. Uh, Charlie Brooker just really went Joker. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to have to watch the show. You said it's called Cuck on Earth and it's about me? That's what you said? <laughs> yes. You didn't laugh the first time, so I had to throw you with it again. Nah, it was just, um, it was very real, so. You said it harpoons all things about culture? Yes. Okay, I'm taking, I'm reclaiming it. Harpoons. It's the future now. Anyway, yeah, Kunk on Earth. Uh, it's worth a watch. I hope you enjoy it. Cool. Well, why don't we call it there? There. Thanks for listening, everyone. Next time you hear us, we're going to talk about The Last of Us show. Remember that? Remember that show everyone's watching right now? Everybody's watching it. Are you watching it? Well, I was asking you, Roman. Billy isn't me or Billy isn't him? <laughs> Your name's Billy too? No, I'm so fucking confused. <laughs>